that was uh, Larry Payne, or actually I'd say Dr. Larry Payne, uh, and uh, uh, very interesting. Uh, his focus in regard to yoga asanas seems to be in those people between the ages of 40 and 70. Uh, I, I think his feeling is that people under that age, uh, you know, they don't, um, uh, they don't need to be pushed in, in regard to yoga because big yoga participation, but not as much uh, between those ages of 40 and 70, although I certainly know a lot of people in that age category that uh, do yoga, especially women. Yeah, but I think Larry's uh, started his midlife yoga. I almost said midlife crisis. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I think every time I hear that, it, the word midlife, yeah. Uh, and who knows, there's probably a lot of men with midlife crises going to yoga classes because, um, you know, Hey, yeah, the Ten long, women yeah, for the, every guy. The longer but, you live, uh, the later your midlife. But I think he. What? The the later you, the longer you live, the later your midlife crisis can come. Right. Uh, the uh, or maybe the longer it lasts. Right. The uh, but Larry's motivation, I think, was in large part that the classes, the common yoga class, uh, out there, you know, in the studios and YMCA's and all these places are being taught by young people, usually women, and um, oriented toward things a younger body can do um, or should do. And um, so he developed his uh, midlife yoga with a specific aim, not just of bringing uh, people in uh, who hadn't been but to orient it to, you know, a body in its middle years, as opposed to what young people could do. Because a lot of midlife people start doing asanas along with 25-year-olds, and they can, they can hurt themselves that way. Or maybe they're just not doing the kinds of things uh, that would be best for the preservation of, you know, their own health and so forth. Right, right. And, and my experience is, in the West especially, that um, we tend, when we go to a class, even if the instructor says, go easy on this, uh, because of our all of our backgrounds and Western exercise and that sort of thing, everybody always pushes it to the limits. Even if the teacher yeah. says stop, you know, when it starts to feel a little bit of a strain, I, I notice even myself going a little further. And, you know, if you're in yeah. a yoga class, and I've done this, and I feel like, you know, everybody's doing really well and I'm at the remedial level. Aside from, you know, going for, as far as I can go in the back, uh, you know, I might tend to push myself. Although I, I must say, uh, and I, I, I've said this before, people I know that have done yoga asanas regularly over many years tend to look very healthy. I think it's terrific yeah. for you. It's a great thing, but like anything else, it, you know, it can be done incorrectly. It can be abused. It could be uh, distorted for, for an individual. And you're right, in a yoga class, uh, when you're surrounded by people who can stretch a little further than you, you might go too far in trying to look good or trying to compete or thinking, hey, if that guy could do it, I should do it too. Um, and you could hurt yourself. And, yeah. you know, there's been some exposés about injuries in yoga classes uh, that did not go over well you know, in the yoga community necessarily, but responsible people, you know, took that seriously and said, you know, maybe we have to, you know, clean up our act a little bit or, you know, look at at um, why uh, people might be uh, 
taking risks they shouldn't. Now, uh, who was the first of the teachers to bring yoga asanas to the West? Was it Vivekananda? Uh, No, Vivekananda did not have anything to do with yoga asanas. Um, He, uh, in fact, uh, in his era in India, uh, Hatha yoga was not uh, looked upon favorably because there were a lot of, you know, there was a lot of tricksters, a lot of people doing uh, demonstrations of, you know, asanas. It was, it was a little bit of disreputable in, in some people's eyes. And it was during, you know, during the British Empire. So, mm-hmm. you know, Brits didn't take a look upon that sort of thing favorably. Um, and uh, Yogananda, when he came, um, he did provide some yoga asana demonstrations for the public and and had his uh, male devotees doing them uh, for their own uh, practice. And but he and his brother, his younger brother by ten years, uh, Bishnu Ghosh, uh, was a very well known uh, in in physical fitness world in general and mm-hmm. in a yoga asana world. And, was in fact the teacher of the now infamous uh, Bikram Chaudhary, and um, so, but but yoga, but uh, he did not have asana uh, instruction for the general public. Right. Um, he developed a different <coughs> system of exercises that he thought was more appropriate. But um, they came a little later. Um, but with Larry, we talked about one of the very early. Uh, there were always some yoga asana mm-hmm. teachers that would come and go uh, from India. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't stay. Uh, um, but then Indra Devi came, and she was uh, a huge influence. She um, was trained, as we discussed with Larry, by the famous uh, Krishnamacharya, who was also the teacher of Iyengar and Patabi Joyce. Mm-hmm. So that lineage is probably the most influential lineage in terms of asana, uh, yoga right. asanas. And she was um, an exceptional human being. She was not only uh, a Westerner from Russia, but also uh, a woman. And, and you know, women and Westerners were not... Uh, trained to to teach uh, asana, uh, teach yoga, or to teach any of the yogic uh, practices, but Krishnamacharya made an exception in right. her case and trained her and sent her out to the West, and she had a huge impact, uh, particularly with books and uh, celebrity uh, yogis uh, back in you know forties and fifties. It's it's interesting. I mean, as far as I can remember. Uh, anytime anybody has said the word yoga, it's associated with yoga asanas, but of course we know yeah. yoga means more than that. The, the other thing, uh, Phil, uh, I, I was wondering, you may know something about, uh, when back in the day when we used to do these uh, meditation courses where we would meditate several hours a day, I don't know, eight hours a day or whatever it was, sometimes more, uh, it was always broken up, uh, as we were instructed, with uh, asanas and pranayama. Uh, they were yeah. very peripheral. I don't remember ever getting very 
good instruction in regard to them. It was always quickly done. <laughs> no, but, it was, but, it, was, it was pretty, uh, pretty uh, careless. But, but the thought was, if you just sit there and meditate all day long, it's going to be very rough on your body. And, and also, uh, your mind tends to just sort of daydream, doing uh, too much Yeah, and you don't integrate it as well. But is that typical, like uh, when you, these ashrams yeah. uh, where people do a lot of meditation, uh, do, is, is asana yeah. a big part of it? You know, there are some people who say that the uh, origin of asanas was uh, to refine the, the grosser aspect of the body uh, to uh, make it more uh, amenable to deep meditation. And so that sequence, <clears throat> excuse me, that sequence that we were doing in TM context uh, of asana, pranayama, and meditation is very standard. That's the sequences that you'll see mm -hmm. it uh, done it with, it, you know, with different forms of asana, pranayama, and meditation because there's so many different uh, uh, variations. But that sequence of from grosser physical activity to subtler physical activity of, of uh, breathing practices, uh, and then the silent sitting practice of meditation, that's the sequence that's usually done in. That's the sequence, you know, in Patanjali's eight limbs, you know, people can you know, argue over whether they're supposed to, they were meant to be practiced sequentially or just listed that way, but they're listed in that order. And um, so it's, just, it's quite standard. Right, you know? right. It makes sense. And, and my own experience is the best in terms of qualitative meditations I've ever had where there was great clarity and silence. Uh, almost were always after I did a yoga class. Yeah. Not so much when no I question. did yoga asanas on my own, because uh, yeah. I tend to rush them, and I don't know that I, I did them as properly, because uh, I never felt I got, uh, you know, detailed instruction in regard to them. But when no, I you're right. By a I, teacher, I, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, I, I, I've given talks to yoga instructors where I, I've pointed out that back in the 60s and 70s, um, things were the opposite of what they are now in the sense that um, back when TM was, you know, huge and, and we were practicing and teaching, um, we did, you know, 10 minutes of asanas and five minutes of pranayama and then meditated for longer periods of time. And we were very precise about meditation instruction and very systematic <clears throat> but kind of loose about asanas. We were very careful, but it was it was not done in quite in, in a systematic, mm -hmm. rigorous way right. that it is now with anatomically proper alignment and so forth. And um, but now it's the opposite. You know, people are very systematic and rigorous about asana, and they do it for long periods of time, and they're very careless and unsystematic about meditation. And so you know, one hopes that eventually things will balance out. Right. And, but good. Well, very good one. Uh, uh, another in our series that focuses yeah. on yoga asanas, and everybody has a slightly di different angle, but I think the same goal. And uh, I'm sure we'll have and, uh, and we should, more. We should um, uh, bring people, the listeners' attention back to Larry. And, you know, I, I've known Larry for, oh my gosh, probably 25 or 30 years. And... Um, 
uh, he's he's been a tremendously important force in the popularity of yoga, mm-hmm. and especially in L.A., but elsewhere with his books and CDs. And uh, he's been very innovative, bringing out this midlife yoga, being one of the founders of yoga therapy. Uh, we've had other people talking about yoga therapy, like Richard Miller and John Kepner, Julie Carmen. But, you know, and Larry deserves a lot of credit for, for that, uh, the growth of that as a, um, a discipline uh, for health and well-being. Right, right. And I think from everything we've seen, uh, especially when we spoke to the editor of Yoga Journal, and she spoke about a, a survey they recently did, uh, yoga growth in the United States is uh, still uh, going at a very rapid pace, uh, and, and the number of Every ten people you pass on the street is a yoga instructor these days. I think so. It's like you know, uh, and uh, uh, it's great. It's wonderful, and I think it's a real uh, change in 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 what we knew when I was a kid. I never remember seeing a yoga class, or maybe if I heard no. about it, it's, it's something very foreign. And now it's something that I think is been mainstreamed along with meditation, and I think it's a yeah. good and healthy You know culture. it's mainstream when uh, comedians make jokes about yoga class. Yeah, exactly. All <laughs> right, Phil, till next time. All right. Adios. Next time. Bye-bye. Bye.